This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What up, what up, what up, what up? Hey, hey, hey. What's poppin'? Not a lot. Just, you know, doing life. I feel that life is life. Yeah, life is life. It has ups, it has downs, it has straights, it has backwards. And it life has is life. roller coasters. <laughs> yep. Life is life. There's always something that comes with it. Yeah, man. Life is something crazy. It is. It I is. Need to fix this freaking mic. It is a go. crazy dance. So um, you guys are going to see eventually um, some some videos with Ben Blackwell on Pines Perspectives. And yep. I'm assuming he used my mic because um, it was all all whopping, all whopping y'all. He uh, may have, but I may have too, because just the, recording in his office. It was different. Well, we're having it attached to like bookcases and stuff and yeah. do them all off to the side. And it was just kind of different, but yeah. Yep. So my mic is all wop gel. So if I'm messing with it for this episode. Yeah. Mine, was, mine was messed up too. I think I fixed it. Um, I was setting up the rest of the studio while Cullen was doing other things. So, yep. um, I haven't had time to mess with my mic, but okay. So we're talking about the parable of the yeast. It's That's right. It's two verses. No, it's one verse. It's one verse. It's a single verse. It's a single verse. One parable in a single verse. There's so much packed into this, though. One sentence. One really long sentence. Uh, basically, yeah. So the thing that I think is most interesting here is, um. Jesus says, so he's doing this teaching, right? And he's, he's talking in all these parables and he's telling these stories and he says the kingdom or he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like, so Jesus has all these parables in a row about the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. right? Or, or some reality of the kingdom of heaven. And the thing that I find so interesting is he puts them back to back to back. And sometimes he's saying the same thing, but other times he's saying something different. Yeah. And I don't know how much a normal person would want to read into this, but he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took. Let me ask you a question. Just up to this point, is the kingdom of heaven like the yeast or is the kingdom of heaven like the woman? I'm going to venture to say it's like the woman because the the yeast is attached to the woman. The woman takes. It's not. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what you're actually saying is it's both and. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, but it's also like the woman who's in control of the yeast. Right. So in the parable, the the parable goes... The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Okay? It's like, that's what the kingdom of heaven's like. So, in that, in that metaphor, what's the yeast? And what's the flour? And what's the woman? 
So I've not heard the story from yesterday yet. Like y'all, you haven't. Yeah, we y'all have these in a, advance. an advantage. <laughs> well, I actually don't know that it went. I mean, I don't even know because I haven't finished writing the story and actually telling it. Mm. But I may not even tackle this in the story. Okay, so the yeast. So the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour. Um, I'm going to venture to say that yeast is like grace. Okay. Okay. So some experience of grace or spirituality. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm good with that. So what's the flour? Um, and three measures of flour. So yeast is in smaller portions than the flour. Mm-hmm. Or, well, maybe you shouldn't look at it that way, but okay, go ahead. Well, but the yeast is the smaller portion, but right. and anytime you use you use yeast in anything, whether it's fermentation or bread, it's always in small portions, right? Yep, correct. Or uh, at least smaller in proportion to the rest of the ingredient right. list. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the flour is. The individual person. The flour is the individual person. Yeah. So I would the, have assumed that the woman would be individual, the individual person. Yeah, but see, the woman is in control of, of the, the grace. Mm. So who's the woman? would be God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus subscribes a parable with God as a woman? Fair enough. I'm fascinated. And, and thus to this point, actually, even, um, it's been talking about um, like seeds and, and growing things, right, which was typically done by man. Yep. Right? So you could even say, like Jesus could have e- easily said that. Um, let me go back down to the to the parable. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like seeds sown by the man, right? Yeah, it's like a man. He could have easily done that, and he threw the seeds, and it it took over his whole field, or in and, three parts, right? Yeah, yeah, like very easily he could have done that. Yeah, but he didn't. He chose to take a task that a woman at that time would have typically done. Yeah, that's very interesting. I've never read this parable like this before. Yeah, so I have recently gotten really interested in feminist theology, not necessarily since I'm fully given over to it, but I'm I'm sympathetic and affirming of most liberation theologies, mm-hmm. and feminist theology is a is a type of liberationist theology, and they are constantly reading these texts in a different light. And some of them even go so far as to talk about God as mother or God in a feminine capacity. Yeah. And God instead of father as mother. Right. Yeah. And there's a few of these. Um, Another one is the parable of the lost coin. Mm, mm -hmm. So it's just like the prodigal son or the shepherd who leaves the 99. Right. But a woman loses one coin. She tears her house apart searching for it. When she finds it, she calls all of her friends and family and they throw a big party. Yeah. Once again, the woman is portrayed as God in the parable. Yep. And so I'm fascinated with this idea currently about what does it mean to look at God as a woman? Throughout the Bible, you know, we hear Jesus call him Father. Mm-hmm. We see that element, but we also see elements of God's femininity. He's passionate. He's caring, loving, gracious, gracious. comforter, yeah. uh, encourager, 
qualities that are frequently found amongst the women in society and less frequently amongst the men. Well, so let's let's specifically point this out to and and me as social work major wants to make this clarification. At the time, those were common qualities of of women. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it, it's more blended and as it should be. I think it's more convoluted, um, but I still think that. There are stereotypes for a reason. But we shouldn't assume that everyone needs to subscribe to those stereotypes. No, um, fair, for sure. But so we got to be really careful when we talk about stereotypes, how we talk about them. Well, that's also fair. But as we sit in current society, when we talk about those characteristics, still, I think the majority of people would say that those are characteristics traditionally found in women. Traditionally, yes. So... Here in the text, and specifically in the text that the Bible was written in, that's definitely the case. Yeah. And yet it's still recorded that God is these things. Right. And so I am a bit interested in what it looks like to talk about God in terms of feminist experiences. Because um, we do have these passages, especially in these parables, where God is portrayed as a woman. Definitely here, right? So you've got a woman who's taking some yeast and throwing it in some flour, right? So that's the parable, essentially. Yeah. Kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So we're going to continue on the, the story here, but God, the woman, takes the yeast and the flour and combines them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if we look at the yeast as the impact of the kingdom of God and the flower as humanity or the person of humanity or being made in the image of God or, you know, all these ways that you want to talk about it, then there's no way to read this parable where God's not portrayed as a woman. No. And so I'm just interested in this idea. And I love, this is something I would love for us to talk about in the community group. Mm. Um, because I want to know what other people say, because when I first started reading feminist theology, when people began to talk about God as a woman, it made me highly, highly uncomfortable. Well, the first time I was introduced to it, it made me uncomfortable too. It took me a little bit to become comfortable with it. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. But I do think, I think we should also say that uh, historically God has been relativized in order to be relatable. Mm-hmm. So, and the best image I have of this is anyone that's grown up in a conservative tradition yeah. that has stained glass windows, more than likely they've seen an image in a church of a stained glass window of a white Jesus with blue eyes mm-hmm. because Jesus was relativized in order to make himself relatable. Yeah. But if you've ever read any liberation theology, God is always portrayed portrayed as those whom are oppressed. Yeah. So if you read black liberationist theology, God is black. If you read feminist liberation theology, God is a woman. Um, and if we want to stay true to the historicity, Jesus probably is kind of like a Middle Eastern looking person. Yeah. Um, so BBC put out a pretty shocking idea of what what Jesus Jesus, might've looked like. And so I just think it's, um, 
I think for me, it's helpful to think about God from perspectives that are not my own. Um, now I'm not going to say I always adopt them, but especially when we have texts like these where God is portrayed as a woman mm-hmm. and we can point to it in the text, I'm less likely to shove it down. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of value in saying, Oh wait, they have a point. Maybe we shouldn't just brush that off. Yeah. Uh, cause the other thing is if you have a red letter Bible, these are red letters. Mm-hmm. Jesus said this. So it's not even like you could say, Oh, well, so-and-so was saying, no, this is Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so let us know in the community Facebook group. If you're not in there, please go like Wellhouse Facebook page and, and, join, and the join the group so you can participate in the conversation. But I'm really interested to know what other people think about and how they feel about looking at God as a woman. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting conversation that you guys should go have. Um because it, it is something that is very important right now um, with the, the feminist movements and things that, that we're in. Well, I think um, it's um, something that's very relevant, something we need to talk about. Yeah. And I think that maybe a part of the reason, right, that, that we've looked at God as a male figure for so long is because the males had so much power over over the narrative right and so maybe this is a conversation we need to have yeah well feminist theology would also point to lady wisdom right in the proverbs yeah and say well that's a that's a feminine expression of god yeah um and i already talked about you know the parable of the lost coin and some of these other places um let me say the language is definitely predominated by maleness mm-hmm. in relation to God. Yeah. But at the same point, I don't know that it's totally fair to overlook the places where God's femininity is put on display just because the majority is another view. Right. Um, I think it's still helpful to look at these. And I think for a long time, women have been oppressed in our society. You know, I'm married. I have a wife. I have a daughter. Um, I don't want them oppressed because of their gender. I want them to experience the fullness of life and and what they're capable of based on their talents and the places that God is putting them, not because of their gender. Absolutely. And when you, when you have that, you know, we're cisgender white males. Yeah. Um, we we they are, come from sort of money. Right? Yeah, yeah, middle class, and um, and we're able bodied, right? Like, yeah, we, we're Christian. We have all of the power that you can have. Yeah, we have all the power and all the privilege that we could have, and so we don't know really any level of oppression. Uh, oppression, yeah. Statistically or, speaking, we cannot be oppressed, or or just limited in general, right? Yeah. But. Uh, my wife, she does. Mm-hmm. She's um, a half minority. Mm-hmm. She's a woman, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think it's helpful to read these texts for what they're portraying mm-hmm. in in their entirety. And for here, I think I think it's helpful for a lot of women to be able to say, "Oh, hey, 
maybe God does understand because in a time where women were limited, yeah, and yet we have examples of women who were not, and we have examples of Jesus not limiting women, like Mary and Martha and yeah. and some of these other women who were told helped fund Jesus's ministry. Yeah, maybe it's helpful for some women and some men to look at God through this light because God loves women as well. Let me say it like this. It might be helpful for some women, but it would be helpful for all men. Yeah. To recognize the fact of your power. Yeah. Your privilege in society and that because you have certain anatomical parts, you hold power and you have control and so viewing it this way might help you get some perspective yeah i think so um so all men yeah well that's how i do it i know that some men won't want to or they'll be uncomfortable with that and that's fine but that's how i do it i think it's helpful to do that kind of reading but for the rest of it while god is the one in control in the parable as the woman What happens is she throws the yeast and mixed it with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So I've thought about this quite a lot. When you make bread, you have yeast and flour, you know, all your ingredients, and you throw them together. And we do, we now, we have bread makers, mm. right? So, or mixing stands or whatever you want to call them. But they do the hard work for us. Yeah. But I remember back in the day watching our grandmother make bread. And she did something called kneading. Yeah. She would stand over that board and she would flour that board and she'd sit there and knead the dough. She'd roll it, press it, twist it 45 degrees, roll it, and press it. Over and over again. Yeah. It was a it was a day-long process. Yeah. Well, it was a very long process. And I the, think... The kneading portion wasn't a whole day, but... Yeah. And I think the the part of that is, is, is getting all those ingredients perfectly in line. Yep. And as I sit here and think about it, the kingdom of heaven is like that. There's sometimes where it's easy to penetrate the flour. Right when you dump it in, the yeast latches on to a certain amount of the flour immediately. Yeah. So you have an experience of that. But then there's some kneading that has to happen. There's some pressing. There's some changes that has to happen. And as There's some chemical things happening inside the bread. Yeah, and as the woman is at work mixing and kneading, there are some rough patches. There are some moments where she's pushing through, trying to knead out air bubbles and and mixing all of this in, and it gets hard. It gets compressed. Um But she's got to stay at it because the goal is for the yeast to leaven the whole. Mm -hmm. And so as I think about this, 
I want to say, I don't think that living the kingdom of heaven is an easy task. No. It's, it's not. Um, and I do think that it's hard at times. Yeah. And I think God is at work in us in some very difficult and impactful ways that don't always feel good. But the goal here is that there's something bigger at play. God is at work trying to make the kingdom of heaven a reality in our whole life, not just in the pieces that we want to give him or her. Well, and and that's what I was about to say, is that God wants to, to make the kingdom of heaven a reality for all people as well. Um, oh, so you want to read it as a more macro, like the flower is all humanity, not the individual person's wholeness. Could be. Oh, uh, I think you can read it either way. Yeah. I, you do I, have a problem if you read it in a macro level. You know, just because grace they, getting into everyone. and Well, yeah, you just yeah. have this thing where it happens but, until all of it's leavened. But we do have scripture pointing to the fact that God wants, has a desire for all people to be saved. You do, yeah. Um, Timothy epistles. And, yeah. and no matter what um, soteriological stance you stand... Grace is sufficient for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's hard not to, to say that God has a desire for everyone to receive grace, no matter, no matter your gender, no matter your race, your creed, right? Your sexuality, yeah. um, sexual orientation, right? Yeah. Um, uh, gender orientation, right? God does not... God has has a desire for all people to receive grace. Yeah. Um, and that might be something that we as the big capital C church need to look at. Yeah. As we have become very focused on the white male. Yeah. Um, I'm getting on a social work soapbox here. Um, and so I'm about to step down. But um, maybe this is something that we need to look at together. Um and the fact that God is portrayed here as a woman, or very likely could be, obviously we don't know Jesus' original intention, but it oh, seems no, pretty it, obvious. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that, that he's portraying God as a woman here. It, it seems pretty obvious. Um, that God doesn't care about social status. Nope. And he has desire for grace for everyone. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, for sure. If now desire for grace. Yeah. Is everyone going to be saved? I don't think the Bible's really leaning that way. No. Um, but I will say that for me, as I read this text for where I am in life, um, the kingdom of heaven is a hard reality to live, yeah. but yet it's our calling and there are moments where we are pressed and needed and we want to be left alone to rise. But it's not time yet. We're still working out. We're still we're still pounding that yeast and that leaven into every crack and crevice that we have. And the thing that I love most about this text is that as hard as it is 
to experience the kneading, the pounding, and the mixing. It's a whole lot easier knowing that God's in control.